Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. And now on to the show. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing World Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. And our special guest today, it's on a topic that might be a really kind of unusual futuristic topic. It's Mike Rhodes, and we're going to talk about artificial intelligence and how it's changing what we do as marketers. Now, I know some of you are like, ah, AI, that evil evil thing. But I, I want you to hear what we talk about today because I believe strongly that we are at the front of a changing industry that if we embrace it, it can make our lives as marketers so much better. Be sure to listen to what Mike and I talk about. By the way, if you want to reach me, email podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. And now for this week's brand new discovery. Helping you stay alive in the social jungle. Here is this week's survival tip. This week I'm joined by Eric Fisher with a brand new discovery. What did you find? I found a cool tool for finding and discovering and enjoying content that is tailored to you called laser-like. Laser-like. So, okay, tell yes. me more. So, and it's not about, you know, zapping the stuff that you like with a laser. It's it's laser-like as in laser-like focus, if you've ever heard that phrase before. Yeah, yeah. And this is an iOS app or a Google uh, Android app. And what it is, is it's essentially an interest search engine. So what you do is you you install the app on your phone or whatever device you need and it then asks you to check a whole bunch of, you know, interests like uh news or um so for example, I scrolled through and I said uh you know, uh marketing, uh digital marketing was one of the ones that I did and then um business leadership, but I skipped over stuff like, you know, celebrity gossip and things like that. So you go through and you select all these different interests and then it starts to feed up to you uh, things that it thinks that you will like. And you then basically start to train it a little bit. You tell it you know, what you like, what you don't like. You read certain things. It's a great way to discover uh, content and news. And then the cool thing that they're doing is they're actually building out a uh, it's it's called Advance by Firefox, and it's powered by Laserlike. And so what it is is it's a Firefox um, plugin. Plugin, and what it does is, and of course they they you know say we're not tracking you, we're not you know looking at your sensitive data or anything like that. But they are looking at the sites that you're visiting, and then that helps them learn what you like more as well to help curate your interests and bring you interesting content. The reason this is uh, valuable is because, let's be frank, 
for those of us that were getting our news on Facebook, we're not getting that anymore, right? Because the only news you get on Facebook is the mega news that's, you know, from the kind of big, big publishers that often involves things we don't necessarily care about. And all the other publishers like Social Media Examiner, we're just not getting exposure anymore. Therefore, it's not the place to get your content. Now, I will tell you, this sounds a lot like the native Google app, which does do a lot of the exact same things. Mm. Uh, you can install Google on any phone and it because people use the Google search engine, it knows what topics you're interested in based on your search history. And it does allow you to scroll up and see the news and then you can tell it to hide certain news items or that you're not interested in these kinds of categories. And you can also s select similar kind of categories. Um, so I'll just throw that in there that there's two options yeah. now. You've got laser like, and then you've also got Google's own version of it. And you know, in the case of Google, um, the one downside is obviously they know everything you do, <laughs> right. but the one upside is they also kind of already know what you're interested in. And yeah. um, just food for thought, there's two options out there now. Yeah, well, and I'll even throw in a third because this is—it's similar to uh, what Apple News does. The Apple News app that's on—it's uh, coming to desktop as well. It's very much the same. You know, I you never got into the Apple News thing. That. You know, is I it, didn't either. Is it getting better now? I did. Yeah, I do use it now. I am actually because once I actually took about you know fifteen twenty minutes and really went in and said, I, like I literally would type in um, topics that I don't want to see. <laughs> first and then I would hit the you know cross uh, the heart icon with a cross over it and I would tap that and then once I got rid of a lot of crap and started to add in the stuff that I did want it became much more interesting so very but laser like again is cross platform and uh, is very cool the way they've got it uh, executed with these different uh, the UI and the cards the, and the way they've got it laid out it's it's very cool you got to check it out um, you can find it at the really easy use, uh, URL laserlike.com and you can find uh if you're on the ios you can find the app it's simply called google yes. <laughs> you know in the <laughs> app store and you can compare them both and see which one you like better because chances are pretty good you might want more than one so thank you so much eric you're welcome i was recently at social media marketing world and i had a chance to connect with some of our best customers a lot of them listen to our podcast just like you do not everyone knows what i'm about to share with you we do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today I'm excited to be joined by Mike Rhodes. If you don't know who Mike is, he is the co-author of The Ultimate Guide to Google AdWords. He's also the CEO of an agency called Web Savvy. 
and he specializes in helping businesses with customer acquisition. And he's got a number of courses focused on Google Display Network, AdWords, Google Data Studio, and a lot more. Mike, welcome to the show. Mate, thank you very much for having me, Mike. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, it's my pleasure to have you. So today, Mike and I are going to explore how artificial intelligence is changing the face of marketing from a Google slant. But a lot of what we're going to talk about, of course, is working its way into the other social, other platforms as well, and kind of what we need to know moving into the future when it comes to AI, also known as artificial intelligence. So um, it's going to be an interesting topic. I can't wait to kind of explore with you, Mike. But before we get there, I'd love to know a little bit of your story. How did you get into the Google stuff that you've done? And ultimately, how did you also get interested in AI? So wherever you want to start, go for it. Right. Well, what, what I've realized recently is I love helping people see what's just around the corner for their business. And I realized that by sort of looking back at all these experiences over the years. It, it, I won't tell it goes all the way back to when I was backpacking in the 90s, which dates me, um, working for a helicopter firm in Hawaii. Wow. And I helped them get computerized. They, they'd never realized that this thing was possible. Um, and in return, they taught me to fly. Uh, my my boss was the guy that flew the helicopter in Magnum PI, if you remember that. Wow. Show. So which island were you on? I did Oahu mainly, but we flew around all the islands apart from the big island. So I flew down yeah, canyons in Kauai, six feet above the little stream going boom, 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 like down this canyon and then flying across Molokai over the sunken valleys. It was, oh, it was amazing. That's was awesome. Amazing. Uh, from there, a few other bits along the way. And then in 2004, um, I found Google AdWords and that was just the latest version of Wow, this is this is what's just around the corner. Small businesses, in particular, need this. This solves the problem that they they've all been telling me about, which is, mate, I just need more customers. If I just had a few more people through the door, everything would be fine. Um, and, it, and it grew from there. I started doing adwords as uh, you know favors for mates in exchange for cases of beer. Um, started the agency a couple of years after that, and uh, right place, right time. I think it's uh, it's been a fun ride for ten plus years. So let's talk about like how you started getting interested in artificial intelligence. When did that happen and what was the story behind that? What made you dig in on this kind of new frontier, if you will, where computers seem to be doing the smarts for us? So it's really a continuation of that same theme. It's probably a couple of years ago, maybe three, I, I realized that everything's going to change from reading and listening. I'm a, I'm a massive fan of books. I'm staring at a library of about a thousand books here, most of which I've read, not all. Um, and just realizing this is this is what's just around the corner for those businesses. And I love not just helping people realize what's just around the corner, but also how do they change their business around that and how do they leverage that? Because I, I hate, as I'm sure you do, I hate waste and inefficiency. So the 80-20 rule is your friend. How do we leverage these things without spending bucket loads of cash at them to help grow our businesses? So I started diving deep. There's all kinds of fantastic courses online. I've read a ton of books. I want to be clear, I am not a, a deep learning practitioner. I can, I can build a neural network if you held a gun to my head. But as we're going to talk about, that is not what your listeners need to be doing. We don't need to know how to build this stuff. We just need to know how to use it. And so I just I went deep into it because I, I'm absolutely convinced that this is the future. And what I want to be able to do 
is to be the translator in between the business owners who I love serving and the geeks who I love playing with and spot the business problems and know which of those problems uh, require AI or which just require more than likely off the shelf tools that happen to use some AI and, and which just don't. So awesome. being that sort of conduit. Well, we're going to get into what is AI, but before we go there, I want to hit the why, because mm. um, I'm sure there's a lot of people wondering why in the world do I need to even pay attention to this conversation? So why don't you talk Absolutely. to us a little bit about why artificial intelligence is important, especially for marketers? So I'm going to start by stealing a line from Andrew Ng, who is one of the most prominent AI guys on the planet, an absolute genius. Uh, and he likens it to electricity. AI is the new electricity. Hmm. So what does he mean by that? If you think back about 100 years or so, electricity started getting added to everything. Yeah, add electricity to a door, now you have a revolving door. Ha! Ah, um, you added electricity to transport, into factories, to agriculture, and it changed everything. Um, 200 years ago, I believe the stat is something like, 90% of us worked on the land. Today, it's 2% mm. because we, we added electricity to that. We automated all of that. Then we all moved into the factories. Then we automated all of that. And then we moved into the knowledge economy. Um, and AI is now going to change that or large chunks of that. And why that's happening now, so that, that why I think it's important is because it's going to change everything. And you want to be aware of this and you want to be aware of this before your competitors do. And you want to help your clients. If you're an agency side, you want to help your clients do this. And if you're in a marketing role in-house, you, you really want to understand how this affects marketing in particular, but also how your business is going to be affected by this. Yeah. So we'll sort of maybe yeah. dig in enough to understand a little bit about how it works, but not in any great detail and certainly not with any maths or coding right. involved, but just enough to sort of understand to see those to spot those opportunities i saw this wonderful headline the other day um great opportunities do not come along with a headline saying this is a great opportunity right <laughs> well it's fascinating because if enough. you think of blockchain and you think of virtual reality which are two other trends that mm. people have been talking about lately and so many of us know at least with virtual reality it's not ready for prime time it's mm -hmm. not here yet, and it's not going to really be here in any substantial way for a long time. For the people that are feeling the same way about AI, what do you want to say to them? I think AI has, is definitely up towards the top of that hype cycle. Um, I think Hollywood and the news media are, are pretty responsible for a lot of that. You know, If you believe them, AI is all about robots with big guns turning us all into paperclips. Right. Um, I don't believe that's the future. I do believe that this thing they call artificial general intelligence, which is essentially building an AI that can do everything that we do, that can run your Google campaigns, tie your shoelaces, send your kids off to school and cook your dinner. I think we're a long way off from that, probably decades. Some people think it's going to be much earlier. The AI community can't agree on a date for that. So I am not qualified to pick that date, but I think we're a ways off that. But I do think what they call narrow intelligence, artificial narrow intelligence, ANI, that's where uh, software in some form, think of it as just a really, really smart computer, is going to start replacing chunks of what we do. And over time, more and more and more of those chunks are going to get turned into software. And we can talk about you know, where that leaves humans but um, and which jobs they might be, potentially. But I think there's a, there's a very optimistic 
version of that future, which is smart people working with smart machines to enable us to do stuff that we just can't do today or enable us to do that, that sort of stuff much, much better, give us more time for the more creative, the more strategic, the more compassionate stuff, not doing the menial tasks that require us to do the same thing over and over and over again. Okay, good. Well, let's define what, what artificial intelligence is and, and if machine learning is a synonym for it or not. And then let's talk about what it can do today for marketers. Sure. So AI is really just the, the science of making things smart. And it covers an awful lot of stuff from robotics, natural language, vision. There's a ton of stuff in there. Machine learning is a corner of AI. And the bit that's really sort of taking off that all the geeks are talking about right now is a little corner of machine learning called deep learning, which is why you hear all of these names that all start with deep. That's that's where it comes from. It's it's to do with the technology involved. But yes, most of us can pretty much get away with using those terms interchangeably. But technically, what we're talking about is really a, a corner of machine learning, which is a corner of AI. And machine learning is what exactly? What does that mean? Machine learning is essentially machines, computers, that can learn without being explicitly taught. Mm. So if we back up a little bit, all computer code, really, for the last 50, 60 years, is really just a massive sequence of if-then rules. If this, then that. If this and this and this, then do that. So, you know, if someone presses this button, then do that. If somebody has opened this email and this email, but not this email, then send this. Right. If somebody goes to this page, then accept It's linear, right? It's linear, and we have to teach it those rules. So an example I'll often use on stage is, how would you teach a computer to recognize a chair? Let's take a really simple example. We all know what a chair looks like. Well, you've got to say, if it, contained, if it has these, these four legs and and somewhere for your bum to go uh, and something up the back uh, and obviously you have to build more rules to teach it what legs are and what the back of a chair is if it's got all of those things then it's probably a chair and then you remember oh, bugger, um, some chairs have arms so now i've got to build some more rules about the arms and then you realize that some chairs only have one leg and some wheels underneath and they roll and around some don't have any backs on them <laughs> uh, yeah and so on and on and on and sooner or later you've got a hundred thousand lines of code that took six months to write, and it's what the geeks call brittle. If you leave one of those rules out, it's going to break, hmm. or it's going to not recognize this whole chunk of chairs over here. So that's the old way of doing stuff. The new way is just essentially giving the machine thousands and thousands of examples. Here's a whole bunch of chairs, and oh, by the way, so you don't get confused, here's a thousands of examples of non-chairs. Yeah, these are a bunch of tables and dogs and trees so that you understand what a chair isn't. Hmm. And over time, it learns to infer, being geeky, but for the rest of us, predict. When it sees a new picture, it can go, that's a chair or not a chair. And that technology is essentially getting very, very good. And that's sort of really, that tipping point has really just sort of happened over the last four or five years, maybe 10 in some areas, but really it's just the last few years. And that's down to a couple of factors, which we can explore if you want. Well, and to give some practical examples, Pinterest um, can recognize a product when you hold it up to a camera and mm. it can try to find that product for you. Amazon, if you have the Amazon app, it can do the same thing. You can open it up and it can not just read a barcode, but it can look at an object and try to figure out what the object is. 
that opens up commerce opportunities, right? Huge. Huge Google Lens does the same thing. Point a Google Lens a camera at your friend wearing a dress and it will say, hey, here's a bunch of similar dresses and here's where you can buy those. What else can we do with this kind of machine learning, artificial intelligence stuff if we bring it home for marketers? Like, you know, we're talking about examples that might be more consumer facing, but I would imagine there's things that it can do uh, if it's able to recognize things that could help us marketers do our job. Well, yes, I think of it as prediction. Yeah, so real world examples, non-marketing for a second, just to sort of hammer that one home. Sure. Think uh, Amazon, you know, people that bought this book also bought this book. Netflix, you'll be interested in these TV shows, these movies. And interestingly enough, Netflix even changes the thumbnail of those things that it displays to you based on your viewing habits. It's predicting that that thumbnail will be more appealing to you than huh. another one. Wow. Of course, watching them what happens and changing the thumbnail accordingly that other people see. Um, self-driving cars is really just a prediction problem. Which lane am I in? Which lane should I be in? What's that car about to do? What's that pedestrian about to do? It's predicting all of those things around you, predicting the next bit of a second and working out which direction to drive and whether to accelerate or brake. That's kind of a massive oversimplification, but essentially what's happening. Uh, well, trading. And if I could yeah, give my- another example, um, <laughs> I upgraded my iPhone to the brand new iOS 12 and it prompted me and said, hey, um, do you want to call Mike Rhodes for the podcast interview? And it's prompting me to actually call your phone number, even though I don't have your phone number. And, um, and it, cause, and it says it found it in my calendar. So that's crazy. That's fantastic. So yeah, that's that, it's, on the, it's on the bottom of the email that your assistant sent to both of us, but neither of us have actually gone there and taken that and saved that into our phone. But that's exactly an example of what we're talking about, right? It is. It is. That's, that's, that's a wonderful example. Yeah, and it prompted yeah. me 10 minutes before the call if I wanted to call you, even though we're in different countries. <laughs> that's fantastic. You early adopter you. How long has that been out? About three and a half minutes? <laughs> yeah, yesterday it came out. So, um, so, I mean, but this is exciting, right? Because now what I'm hearing you say is that if we kind of unwind this a little bit, it's like, holy cow. Like the whole promise of Siri, right, for this for the iPhone, right, which is the personal assistant, it's now coming to everything, right? It's like, hey, oh, yeah. you might want to watch this. Hey, you might want to change your traffic, right? In the case of certain map things. Yeah. You might want to leave early. Hey, I know your plane's been delayed. You might want to leave late. Yeah. Um, I, I know you're delayed in this meeting. I can see you're still in that building. So would you like me to call or message the next three people on your calendar for today and let them all know that you're going to be half an hour late? I even heard an example of um, uh, an assistant calling and ordering like a pizza. I don't know if you heard that or not. Oh, yeah. So there there was a wonderful – if your listeners have not seen this video, go to YouTube and type in Google I.O. 2018 Google Duplex. Um, And so it's it's the Google version of Siri, so Google Assistant, which is on more phones actually than, than Siri. So it has a ton of data to learn from. And they use these two examples of one at calling a hairdresser and booking an appointment That's right. and the other one calling like a Chinese restaurant or a Thai restaurant, I think it was, in New York. Uh, and loads of people thought it was a fake because it was just so amazingly good at dealing with a very unexpected conversation. This conversation does not go the way that you would think a normal conversation goes when you're trying to book a table for four I people. thought for sure it was fake when I heard it. And so do you know what they did next? They hired a Thai restaurant in New York, cleared out all the tables, and invited all these journalists to come in for the day and basically formed two teams 
and to call each other and to try and throw the AI off. And they were sort of heckling the AI and, and saying, hey, hey, ask it this, ask it this. And it, and it coped with almost all of it brilliantly. And there's a, there's a wonderful piece, I think it's in the journal, by one of the journalists that was there that goes into detail about that. It's, it's fascinating. It is just, it's so much better than we believe it ought to be at this point. Because we're linear beings, right? We remember the past as being just like today, but a little bit worse. Like 10 years ago, just like today, but oh yeah, the iPhone had only just come out. But it, it's, it feels like it was kind of like today. It, we forget just how different that was. And so we fast forward into the future five years. We think it's going to be just like today, but a little bit better. Um, Our children are going to grow up with these tools as normal, right? I mean, like I've got my youngest is 10. By the time she gets out of college, this will be kind of like just normal, I would imagine. Some people believe that that sort of that AI sort of looking over our shoulder, kind of to go back to what you were just talking about, where for the sake of massive convenience, if there is enough value added, we might sort of allow this AI to sort of perch on our shoulder and watch almost everything that we do, that we read, that we see, who we talk to, record those conversations. That freaks some people out, and and I can totally understand why. Other people on the other end of the curve saying, how how amazing would that be if you could instantly recall that conversation from two years ago and know exactly what that kid's uh, what that guy's kid's name is and when their birthday is, so I can send him the right gift. Yeah, just it's pretty crazy. It, it depends how creeped out by it, I guess you are. Yeah, so I mean, <laughs> but if you think back seven years, we were all creeped out by remarketing, right? And that yeah. changes over time. So I think that um, if you're listening right now, hopefully you're beginning to understand that you have you may not even realize that you have experienced artificial intelligence at work making your life easier when mm. but when you listen to these examples you begin to understand yeah it really is it really is there and it really is working and even if we kind of transition a little bit into the algorithms for example facebook has a really smart algorithm and it knows what you're interested in and it tries to serve up um, content from your friends that it thinks you would find fascinating and not show you stuff that you won't find fascinating. And that alone is an example that every one of us experiences who is on Facebook. And that's like 2 billion of us. And they just don't realize that it is at work. They know so much about us that they just know what to give us to keep us, mm-hmm. you know, happy, if you will, with the platform. So with Facebook, absolutely, it's all about keeping on the platform for longer, uh, predicting again. So think of this just really as prediction. There's way more to it, but we can oversimplify and call it prediction. Predicting, to bring it back to marketing, which articles or which ads you are likely to click on. And you know, we've been running experiments against their AI for best part of three and a half years. And we are, I, I believe firmly, we're at that tipping point where most of the time, the machine is as good as a human. It absolutely messes up sometimes. There are plenty of examples of it messing up. And when it does mess up, it it tends to mess up pretty big. Um, But most of the time, it's as good. And sometimes it's much better than even the best human. And that that Again, scares a lot of people that, that own agencies right now, right? <laughs> oh, totally. It's an existential threat to to a lot of agencies. If you are still running campaigns the way we all ran them three, four years ago, if you're still spending the majority of your day uh, reporting and changing bids, then two things are going to happen. Either um, 
you're going to go out of business or you're going to be late to the party and you're going to catch up and start realizing pretty soon that, oh, I need to change what I'm doing day to day because that stuff is going away. Now, to flip side, the flip side of this is that Google, Facebook, dot, 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 anybody who has an ad platform, um, it's highly advantageous for their AI to assist any marketer to better achieve their objective because if a marketer uses a platform, advertises, and gets good results, guess what's going to happen? They're going to continue to use the platform, right? Correct. And right now, there is kind of this big chasm between those marketers that can afford to hire a full-time employee or an agency to do this kind of stuff and those who just don't even go on the platform because it's too confusing and too Mm -hmm. complicated. So it seems like right now it's in the best interest of these platforms to empower everyday people to use the AI so that they can get more customers. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, absolutely. I believe that Google have always been – I'll focus on Google. That's what I know far, far better than Facebook. But they've always been focused on – picture the Venn diagram of these three circles intersecting. There's the user, which – Google would tell you is by far the biggest and most important of these three circles. But then you've got the advertiser and then you've got, you know, stakeholders, shareholders, and they're trying to balance the the needs of those three groups of people. I, I do believe focusing on the user and trying to ensure that that user experience is the best it can be because they know that if the user experience is the best it can be, users will come back to the platform. I mean, yeah, think back to the late 90s. We all started using Google instead of Alta Vista and Hello Jeeves. Yeah, Ask Jeeves. Ask Jeeves, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Because it just served up better results. It seemed to read our minds. And so we, we all went back there, and then we all went back there, and then we all went back there. And it creates that over time. But they're absolutely trying to then make it better for advertisers and you you bang on. I think they think that probably 10% of the businesses are using a tool like Google Ads. That should be. And that there's enormous room for growth at the bottom from small businesses that are totally freaked out and confused by the platform. But also there's an awful lot of dollars to be had at the top and they're trying to more and more take brand dollars away from traditional media and educate these bigger businesses about the you know the benefits of a sort of more performance mindset unilever just chopped a hundred million dollars from their uh, worldwide advertising budget because they're finally waking up to yeah being ripped off by these big holding agencies all this time and going hang on a minute why are we paying them 15 percent off the top of everything we can do a whole bunch of this ourselves and, and save a fortune so what we're going to talk about for the rest of this interview is how ai today can help marketers, mostly in the context of Google. But I want to I want to explain to everybody that there is one thing that we all use by Google called Google Analytics. And I know, I don't know how much you know about this, but I know that they've got AI analyzing the analytical data and telling me at least what it's discovering. Um, so folks, you know, at the very least understand Google has so much unbelievable information because of its analytics tool. Um, but we're going to probably mostly focus on the Google ads platform. What do they call it now? It's not AdWords anymore, right? Just, yeah. Google ads. Yeah. That's Google right. ads. So we're going to talk about this, what Google ads is doing, but just know that Facebook is, if they're not doing this stuff, it's coming and it's coming really fast because they're both, both companies have pretty big AI initiatives. So what can 
What can AI do right now when it comes to Google? Let's talk that through. How can it make the marketer's job a little better? All right. So let's have a framework to to hang all of this on so that it all makes a bit more sense and that we can all picture the same thing. So picture a pyramid with three layers. The bottom layer, the foundation of the pyramid, is bidding. The middle layer is targeting. And the top little bit is messaging. Because after all, that's what advertising is, right? Showing the right message to the right person at the right time and doing so profitably. Mm-hmm. So we'll start with we'll start at the bottom. So Google, uh, I won't give you the whole backstory in, in the sake of time, but but they built this machine that beat the world champion at the game of Go. Then they built a machine that beat that machine starting from scratch without uh, seeing any other game that was ever played. It taught itself and was as good as a human being in three hours. Wow. Three hours. And then it beat this machine that was supposedly never going to lose another game ever again. It was retired from playing Go. It was that good. The new machine beat that one 100 games to nil after just 40 days. So they're able to just ingest a ton of numbers, a ton of data, and predict with scary accuracy. Bidding, if you're talking Google Ads or Facebook, that is really just a numbers game. There is obviously far more to marketing than just numbers. It's not like stock market trading. There's a lot more involved. But the bidding side of things, how much should this keyword be bid at? How much should I offer to Google if somebody clicks on my ad? That's a numbers game. And the computers have become very, very good at that. And that's the bit I was talking about before, where they are basically now as good as, and it is inevitable that they will be far better than humans at that in the very near future. Some would argue that's already here, but that's going to happen. Okay, so so let me ask you about the bidding. So does this mean that when we bid for ads in the Google Display Network or the Google Search Network or YouTube or whatever, that we have an option to just let Google decide what to bid instead of doing it ourselves? Yes. So there there are seven models. We don't need to go into the details of them, but my call to action for your wonderful listener is please test one of those models. And and I'll give you two to to make it easy. If you're a lead gen business, then you want to use a thing called target cost per acquisition. Think of that, you know, cost per lead. Right. And if you're an e-commerce business, then you want to use their return on ad spend or ROAS model. So you give it a target to aim for. It is getting very, very good at hitting that target. And there's all kinds of crazy, you know, tinfoil hat theories about whether this is good for Google or how much more money they're going to make. And Obviously, again, one of those three circles is shareholders. They're not going to lose money doing this. But but if you think about it, it is in their best interests to deliver those leads or those sales at the price that the marketer has told Google, hey, this is what I'm willing to pay. I'm willing to pay 50 bucks a lead. It will go find you leads at 50 bucks. It won't go find your leads for 10 bucks all day long. It won't magically get much, much better than you ask it to but it won't find your leads at $100 either. It's getting very, very good. Now, we have, as marketers, we have about half a dozen signals that we're able to use to look at, which is what we've all been doing for a decade or more, looking at those signals and going, oh, okay, so so people did that. And people who were uh, maybe female and 35 to 44 who lived in New York, um, they responded better. The conversion rate from that little group of people is better. So, so I'll, I'll increase my bid for that group of people. And it's just this sort of 
when you look at it through the lens of AI, it's just ridiculously slow and antiquated. And what, what a cute way of, of doing things, of, of looking at all this data bit by bit, maybe daily, maybe once a week, and going, hmm, I'll, just, I'll tweak this one up a little bit. I'll tweak this one down a little bit. When you consider that Google considers, in between you typing a search into Google and hitting enter, Google is considering 70 million data points wow. in that 0.1 seconds. We just we cannot compete with that. It, it knows what apps you have on your phone, what other searches you've done, what you've been doing on YouTube. It knows what the weather is, where you are, and where you are. Is, are you at home or work or somewhere in between, or are you on holiday? It, it tested the phase of the moon to see if that would make a difference to things. It didn't, but they tested it. <laughs> so, so what, so what I'm hearing it? you say is that you should experiment with letting Google have a, this is the most I'm willing to spend, and then let it do the hard work for you. It will do all the testing and all the analysis and try to get your bid to the right people at the right price. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Correct. So there's a there's a feature inside of Google called Drafts and Experiments. It's a little complicated. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll create a, a little document that explains that to your listeners, and we'll put it online, sure. um, agencysavvy.com slash SME, and, and that link will be in the show notes and all that sort of stuff. But it'll, it, it'll explain step-by-step step exactly how to do that and how to set up a split test, essentially, inside your Google Ads account so that you can test your way of doing things against the machine all I'll say is you need to give the machine a little bit of time. It's not going to beat it on day one. How much, time is, a, how much time is a reasonable amount of time? Really depends on the amount of volume, the amount of leads going through that particular campaign, but generally two to four weeks. Got it. Okay. Good. So anything else on bidding before we talk about targeting? No, test it. That's the, the, the big message there is test it because by by this time next year, it'll be unbeatable. and Possibly by the end of the year, it'll be better than you. Test it. So let's move on to targeting. Okay. So Google, as you've already said, they've got more data than the god of your choice. Um, they know so much about us through Google Analytics, which you mentioned, through Android, which is on 80% of handsets in the world, uh, YouTube, which they bought for the data more than anything else, uh, and Chrome, the world's most used browser. You know, that All of that was a data play to give Google all of this data. Hmm. And Facebook and Amazon and Microsoft and IBM are all doing amazing things in AI as well. So Google then understand this idea of intent. So we've always used keywords to tell Google, hey, when someone searches for this, get in front of them. And for display, which you mentioned earlier, or for YouTube, we've used intent, but also we've said, hey, look at the content of this page on Oprah.com and put my ad next to content like this because I think that people reading stuff like that would be interested in, in what I've got. And that's the old way of doing stuff. The new way is targeting intent. So Google's watching what we do. What do we search for? What are we browsing? What are we watching on YouTube? They've stopped reading our emails in Gmail, but they're using all of that data to say, what is this person going to do next? Let's bring it back to prediction and machine learning. What are they in the market for right now based on all of this behavior i, I know long term this person they're, they're a baseball fan and they're interested in this and they're a parent and they tend to go to baby sites so the kid is probably around about you know zero to three it knows all of that but then all of a sudden you start searching for washing machines and how to fix washing machines and 
how to buy a new washing machine for less than $1,500 with free delivery. And it says, right, right now, this person's in the market for a new washing machine. And it knows that. And rather than go out to all of those advertisers one by one and say, hey, there's this person over here, the new way is going to be just, okay, throw in your targeting criteria. What are you after? I, I want people that are interested in buying washing machines because I sell washing machines. And Google says, right, get out of the way. Leave it to me. I know who those people are. You give me an ad. You tell me how much you're willing to spend for each sale or for each lead, and I'll do the rest. I will show the right ad to the right person. So uh, explain explain a little bit more on how that works. Like, if, let's say we are in the business of selling washing machines. Like, how do we tell the system that? So keywords are not dead. We can still use the keyword side of things, but that's becoming um, harder to get right. But it's also not the most important signal. So if you think about the display side of things, there is a thing called in market. So again, people are in the market for. And there's about 500 predetermined categories there that Google have said, all right, if you want to reach people, and selling washing machines happens to be one of them, if you want to reach people like that, you just say, hey, I, this is me. This is what I want. Find me all the people that are in the market to buy washing machines right now. With, within uh, California or something like that, right? Oh, oh, yeah, sorry. Within all of the other um, targeting that was already there right. to say within California, and, and yes, I want to, maybe I could say, spend more on people under 35, except you don't need to do that last bit anymore because Google's saying, well, what's the intent? You know, the, the old way of targeting ads, let's say TV, radio, magazine, it was all about demographic because the TV station or the magazine publisher had no idea really um, who was buying. And so they, they use these big things like female, California, 35 to 44. That's who our main reader is. But does that really matter? Does, does it really matter if the person buying a washing machine is 35 or 18 or 63? What matters is the intent that they are looking for your type of washing machine right now. And Google know that through all of their data. So do you have, does, is this target, is this uh, AI targeting turned on automatically or do you have to like flip a switch for that to work? So there's a couple of different ways. If you're, if you're doing things the old way, um, then you kind of have to layer this over the top and you say, Google, um, I'm not sure if this is going to work or not. Layer these audiences. So we're talking more about targeting audiences these days than keywords. Mm -hmm. Layer that over the top and show me how it behaves. And if it behaves the way we all think it's going to, then then I, I have the confidence and the trust to give you the reins and, and off you go. But they announced a new type of targeting. And well, they, they are pretty much weekly at this point, but at their huge event in San Jose back in, when was I over there? July, I think. Um, they announced this new thing called smart campaigns, which is essentially just basically tell us what you do and how much you're willing to pay and we'll do the rest. Um, wow. It's that's, it is completely automatical, you know. So that's more than targeting, obviously. That's that's bidding, and even into the last part of the the tip of our pyramid, even a little bit of the messaging side. Huh. But but Google, the AI really isn't there yet. Um, I can carry on on targeting if you want, but but the, the last. No, we we should messaging. get into messaging. But help me understand, like, what's the most important part of this pyramid? Is it the messaging, the targeting, or the bidding? Um. Which one, well, which one can AI most assist us with, I guess, is the question. 
so that's the the reason I've drawn it as a pyramid because I think you've got to start with the bidding. That's what the AI finds easiest, and that's the bit that we've all spent, as paid marketers at least, um, an awful lot of time on over the past decade. And that's the bit we want to get out of the way first so that we can move up the pyramid, stay ahead of the robot, um, and focus on the stuff at the top, more creativity, and, and even the, the bit above that, you know, more strategic thinking right. and, and be working with our clients on on bigger business problems, not just which ad do I show and how much should I be paying on that particular click over there. So, so I'm fascinated just, to get into the messaging thing as a messaging guy myself. So talk to me uh, about how in the world AI does help with messaging because this find, I find particularly interesting. So the AI is very good at understanding what we mean. So, you know, Google have always been very good at that, understanding the context of a page. Facebook, the same. They've got, uh, I think it's called Deep Text is, is their model there, where they can understand the meanings and the semantics of all of these words, but also nuance within that language. So very good at understanding, but not very good at this point in writing messaging, in, in being creative, and certainly not, you know, things like persuasive copy. So again, that's why for me, it's at the tip of the pyramid. I think if you're a copywriter, a content creator, uh, then your chances of survival are much greater. But if you say only specialize in writing email subject lines, then your days may be numbered. There's an AI called Frazy that reckons it's 98% certain to beat your best email subject line. Wow. Tell me more about that. What is that? Some third party service or something? Yep, yep. So Frazy with a PH and a double E on the end. So don't ask me to spell it in my head. I can't do that. But they've got some wonderful case studies on their site. They did some stuff for Virgin huh. in the UK um, and saved them millions. I, th- I saw the other day, actually, they just did another raise and raised $4 million. So they're obviously doing some amazing stuff. But they're looking at just, again, so that, that really, really narrow task of what subject lines have we run in the past what are our brand guidelines so it can even cope with that you know feed in some information what you can and can't say what of our what of our past results again thousands and thousands of examples rather than thousands and thousands of rules right and i'll predict what that next email subject and then run the test for you and tell you how much it won by so um I know some of the stuff that's at Facebook is like, give it a couple headlines, give it a couple of body copy text, and maybe give yes. it a couple call to actions and it will, it will start testing them in combination to find the winner. Is, is something similar exist with Google? It does. And they've just rolled it out fairly recently in the last few months. So something called responsive ads, and there are responsive search ads now, as well as responsive display ads. That really is the best use of machine learning at this point. So Google's version, very, very similar. Uh, give it about 15 headlines, four description lines, and it will mix and match all of the combinations of that. And if you particularly want you know, maybe your brand name to be the first headline, you can pin it to that position and say, always use this headline here, but then mix and match all of the others. And that obviously massively reduces what the machine can can do, but you know that might protect your brand or give the, uh, the marketing manager a semblance of control. Um, but that's for me, the best way to use this technology at this point, let it work out those billions of combinations, which is going to work best. But again, it's 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 not the old school way of doing, say, A-B testing. If you think about how we've done A-B testing for the last decade, we have run a test, this ad against this ad. We've come back after 28 days right. and said, oh, yeah, ad B is 30% 
better with a 95% certainty, blah, blah, blah. Uh, let's get rid of ad A and let's write a new one. What Google is saying is, well, no, that, that's an average. Marketing to averages is ridiculous. What we want to know is what's the best ad for Mike right now over here because we know what he's been searching for recently, how he generally behaves, how he behaves on websites as well as on Google. What's the best ad for him? Now, Julie over here, maybe because we, of what we know about her, what's the best ad for her? So it's not just trying to find the best combination out of all of those things. It's trying to find the best one each time. And that's where we just we cannot compete with that. And third-party services can't compete with that because they get the same six signals that we do. You know, Google isn't about to give us those 70 million signals, even if it could. Right. That, that's too much of a competitive advantage. And, and you know, what would the, what would the UA, UI look like? What would the API look like? It, it couldn't even if it wanted to, but it isn't going to give us that data. So we have to sort of lean in, trust it a bit, give it the creativity that we can come up with by what we know about our businesses or our clients, give it those snippets to play with, give it parts of the design, and then let it do the rest. So what's been your experience working? What did you call this, This, whatever we're referring to with the giving it a bunch of headlines? And what, what is it called yep. again? Responsive search ads. I'm not allowed to talk about our results with that because it's still a beta product and we're under Got NDA. It. So is it uh, not, do you know, it, so it's not available to the public yet, but it's, not, it's coming is what I'm hearing you say? It's it's rolling out in more and more accounts. So yeah, you know, generally that's sort of down to a, a spend thing or if you are right. a partner agency and you can get your Google rep to apply it to an account. But um, yes, my suggestion would be you definitely want to test it when you get access to it. Awesome. Mike, we could keep talking for a long, <laughs> long, long time because we're just starting to unravel this big old knot. But um, I have to let people know where they can discover more about you and that that um, you said you were going to put something together. Tell them again where they can find that and where they can discover more about you. Yeah, so that will be on agencysavvy.com slash SME. Um, we'll make that available obviously for free and for, for, for your listeners. Um, me, um, if you you find me on Facebook, you find me at agencysavvy.com. That's our training business. So we teach a whole bunch of agencies how to be a better agency and how to do this technical stuff. And then websavvy.com.au is the done-for-you side of things. So that's where we help generally marketing managers and sometimes business owners uh, do this stuff better. So we take over the account and, and run it all for you so that you can get on with running your business and doing all the other stuff that's on your to-do list. So Because you're a genius at that and we're quite good at doing this part. Awesome. Mike Rode spelled R-H- R-H-O-D-E-S. There you go. R-H-O-D-E-S. Mike, thank you so much for coming on, sharing your wisdom with us. On behalf of all my listeners, we're a lot wiser about this thing because of you. Thank you. My absolute pleasure, mate. I love what you do. I've been following Scout around the internet for a while. I'm a massive fan of SME, so absolute honor to be here. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Thank you. Well, I hope you found a lot of value in today's episode. If there was anything that we mentioned and you didn't catch it, we take all the notes. Simply visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash 324. This brings us to the end of another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you in the driver's seat next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day. And may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner.
Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.